Act Two of The Lying Lover or The Lady's Friendship by Richard Steele. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Second. Scene One Penelope's Lodgings, Covent Garden. Enter Old Bookwit, Penelope and Latisse mistress penelope i have your father's leave to wait upon you madam and talk to you this morning nay to talk to you of marriage to talk to me of marriage sir yes madam on behalf of my son tom bookwit penelope aside nay there may perhaps be something said to that i sent for him from oxford with that design he came to town but yesterday and if a father can judge he brings from a college the mien and air of a court i love my son entirely and hope madam you take my thoughts as to you to be no want of respect to you twere want of sense sir to do that old bookwit aside if i can remember my style to my mistress of old i'll ease tom's way and raise her expectation of my son madam had i my hat my feather pantaloons and jerkin on as when i wooed your humble servant's mother i would deliver you his errand i married her just such a young thing as you her complexion was charming but not indeed with all your sweetness oh sir her neck and bosom were the softest pillows her shape was not of that nice sort some young women suffer in shapes of their mother's making by spare diet straight lacing and constant chiding but twas the work of nature free unconstrained healthy and but her charms had not all that emanation which yours have oh fie fie not those thousand thousand graces that soft army of loves and zephyrs millions of airy beings that attend around you and appear only to the second sight of lovers oh fie pray good sir you'll leave nothing for your son to say old bookwit aside i did not think i had such a memory i find the women are now certainly daughters of the women before em flattery still does it tom is my only son and i extremely desire to have him settled i own i think him of much merit he would derogate from his birth were he not much a gentleman but to receive a man in the character of a pretender at first sight i'll walk him by and by before your window where your own eyes shall judge i think there's nothing above his pretences but yourself but when one of so many excellent qualities bestows herself it must be condescension you shall not answer farewell daughter we are but too apt to believe what we wish exit old bookwit tis as you said lettuce old bookwit came to propose his son i overheard the old gentleman talk of it last night but madam 
you haven't heard the song that was made on you oh tis mighty pretty the gentleman is dying for you he says it pure pure verses whoever writ him he's not the first poet i've made they may talk and say nature makes a poet but i say love makes a poet don't you see elder brothers who are by nature born above wit shall fall in love and write verses nay and pretty good ones considering they can tag him to settlements but let's see reading to celia's spinet thou soft machine that dost her hand obey tell her my grief in thy harmonious lay oh, poor man to shun my moan to thee she'll fly to her touch be sure reply and if she removes it die the device is just and truly poetical know thy bliss ay ay there i come in know thy bliss with rapture shake tremble o'er all thy numerous make speak in melting sounds my tears speak my joys my hopes my fears which all depend upon me thus force her when from me she'd fly by her own hand like me to die well certainly nothing touches the heart of women so much as poetry i suppose the master is in the next room tis his hour desire him to walk in it will make one's ears tingle a song on one's self here the song is performed to a spinet well dost think lettuce my grave lover writ this fine thing sayst thou no madam nobody writes songs on those they are sure of sure of me <laughs> the insolent nay i know no more but that he said he turned me away as soon as he had married you tis like enough that's the common practice of your jealous-headed fellows well i have a good mind to dress myself anew put on my best looks and send for him to dismiss him i know he loves me i never knew him show it but by his jealousy as you say a jealous fellow love tis all mistake tis only for himself he has desires nor cares what the object of his wishes suffers so he himself has satisfaction no he has a gluttony and hunger for me and hunger for you i protest madam if you'd let me be his cook and make you ready i'd poison him but i'm glad simon disobeyed you and told the gentleman's servant who you were and your lodging did the rogue do so call him hither simon why simon enter simon sirrah i find i must at last turn you off you saucy fellow don't stand staring and dodging with your feet and wearing out your livery hat with squeezing for an excuse but answer me and that presently i will ma'am as soon as you ask me a question not afore then mr pert don't you know you told the gentleman's footman in the park who i was against my constant order when i walk early come sirrah tell all that passed between you why ma'am the gentleman's gentleman came up to me very civilly and said his master was in discourse with my lady he supposed then he fell into talk about veils about profits in a service at last after a deal of civil discourse between us come without this preamble what he asked you impertinence tell that do he asked about you and madame victoria 
I said the handsomest of the two is my lady. Speak on boldly, Simon. I'm never angry at a servant that speaks truth. He told me he should be very proud of my acquaintance. Indeed, ma'am, the man was very well spoken and showed a great deal of respect for me on your ladyship's account. He is a mighty well spoken man and said he found I was a smart gentleman. Said he'd come again. Go. You have done your business. Go down. Exit. Well, after all, madam, I did not think that gentleman displeased you. Had but young Buckwit his mean in conversation, how easily would he exclude Lovemore? Enter servant. Uh, Mr. Lovemore is coming up, madam. He has not heard sure of this new proposal. Tis possible he may, and come to rant or upbraid your ladyship. I wonder you endure him on these occasions. I'll rack his very heartstrings. He shall know all that man e'er suffered for his native mistress. Woman. His father, madam, has been so long coming out of Suffolk. There are strange tricks in the world, but tis not my place to speak. However, his father may come at last. I will not wholly lose him. As bad as he is, he's better than no husband at all. Stay in the room. I'll talk to you as if he were not present. Enter Lovemore. Ah, Penelope, inconstant, fickle Penelope. But Lettuce, you don't tell me what the gentleman said. Now there's nobody here, you may speak. Now there's nobody here? Then am I a thing, a utensil? I am nobody, and I have no essence that I am sensible of. I think twill be so soon. This ingrate, this perjured. Tell me, I say, how the match happened to break off. D this is downright abuse. What? Don't you see me, madam? He had the folly, upon her being commonly civil to him, to talk of directing her affairs before his time. In the first place, he thought it but necessary her maid, her faithful servant, Mrs. Betty, should be removed. Her faithful servant, Mrs. Betty? Her betrayer, her whisperer, Mrs. Latisse. Madam, would you but hear me? I will be heard. Prithee stop, Lettuce, and see what noise is that without. The noise is here, madam. Tis I that make what you call noise. Tis I that claim aloud my right, and speak to all the world the wrongs I suffer. Cooling herbs, well steeped. A good anodyne at night, made of the juice of hellebore, with very thin diet, may be of use in these cases. Both looking at him as disturbed. Cases? What cases? I shall downright run mad with this damned usage. Am I a jest? <laughs> a jest? No, faith. This is far from a merry madness. <laughs> Hark ye, Latisse, I'll downright box you. Hold your tongue, gypsy. Dear madam, save me. Go you to him. Let him take you. Oh, bless me, how he stares. Take her. Take her. Take her. Running round each other. B 
very fine no madam your gallant your spark last night your fine dancer entertainer shall take you he that was your swain and you i warrant a fantastic nymph of the flood or forest <laughs> to be out all night with a young fellow oh that makes you change your countenance does it so fine lady you wonder how i came to know why choose a discreeter the next time he told me all himself swoon die for shame at hearing of these words do i am indeed downright ashamed for him that speaks him whence this insolence if not from utter distraction under this roof oh the ingrate have not i madam two long years two ages with humblest resignation depended on your smile and shall i suffer one of yesterday's to treat you to dance all night with you speak softly my father's coming down thy father's coming down faithless thou hast no father but to cross me by night upon the water well by night upon the water what then yes all night what of that without blushing when you hear of it blush for what what do you drive at can you then coolly ask what tis i mean thou reveller thou rambler a fine young lady with your midnight frolics but what do i pretend to i know not how with bended knees to call you ceres make you an offering of summer fruits and deify your vanity thou art no goddess thou art a very woman with all the guile your barges your treats your fireworks what means the insolent you grow insufferable oh penelope that look that disdainful look has pierced my soul and ebbed my rage to penitence and sorrow i own my fault i'm too rash the imaginary enemies you raise are but mere forms of your sickly brain so i think and scorn em a diffident a humorous and ungenerous man who without grounds calls me inconstant shall surely find me so she will be very happy that takes a constant man with twenty thousand humours is it a fault my life's bound up in thee that all my powers change with thy looks that my eyes gloat on thee when thou art present and ache and roll for light when thou art absent penelope aside a little ill-usage i see improves a lover i never heard him speak so well in my life before of you i am not jealous tis my own in desert that gives me fears and tenderness forms dangers where they're not i doubt and envy all things that approach thee not a fond mother of a long-wished-for only child beholds with such kind terrors her infant offspring 
as I do her I love. She thinks it's food, if she's not by, unwholesome, and all the ambient air made up of fevers and quartain agues, except she shrouds it in her arms. Such is my unpitied, anxious care for you. And can I see another? What other? Nay, if you make a secret of your meeting, there's all that I suspect in it. Another? Young Bookwit is another? I never saw his face. Young Bookwit? What? Not though he solicited a glance, with symphonies of charming note, with sumptuous dishes, not when the flying meteors from earth made a new day, not see him? Oh, that was hard. That was unkind. Not one look for all this gallantry. But love is blind. You can be all night with the son, all day with the father, and never see either. His father was here this morning. Seek not to excuse. I find your arts, and see their aim too. Go. Go. Take your bookwit. Forget your lover, as he now must do. Going. Hear but three words. What shall they be? Prithee, hear me. No, no, your father's coming down. He's not coming, nor can he overhear us. There's time and privacy enough to disabuse you. I'll hear nothing. Unless you will be married. Unless you give me, as a present earnest of yourself, three kisses and your word forever. To give way to my satisfaction, then. And be friends again, you would, Mr. Lovemore, have three kisses. Three kisses, your faith and hand. Nothing else? Will you be so contented? I'll expect higher terms if you accept not these quickly, then. Well, then. Nope, my father's coming. <laughs> Laugh at my sufferings, slight my anger. Is this your base requital of my love? Revenge! Revenge! I'll print on my favourite in his heart's blood my revenge. Our swords, our swords shall dispute our pretenses rather than he enjoy what my long services entitle me to, which is to do myself right for what he intends an injury, though perhaps what we shall dispute for is better lost. Mr. Lovemore, you have taken very great liberties. You say I've injured you in my regard to another. Is your opinion, then, of what you say you will dispute for, such as you just now said, better lost? Look, you, madam, so, therefore, as to that, that is such, for that it, you don't consider what you said to me. <laughs> you shall by all that, you shall repent this. Flings out. This is all we have for it. A little dominion beforehand. These are the creatures that are born to rule us, who creep, who flatter, and servilely beseech our favour. Which obtained, they grow sullen, proud, and insolent. Pry into the gift, the manner of bestowing, with all the little arts the ungrateful use to hide, or kill their sense and conscience of the benefit. Aye, aye, madam, tis so. 
i had a sweetheart once a lady's butler to whom i gave a lock of my hair and the villain when we quarrelled told me half of them were grey <laughs> the ingrate the faithless as lovemore says and yet madam the rogue stole a letter out of a book to ask me for it as my next suitor found out however i am sure tis in my fate to be subject to one of them very suddenly ah madam the gentleman this morning the fellow's very well and i am mightily mistaken if my cousin victoria did not think so latisse aside and so do you heartily yet i wish i had seen this young buckwit before lovemore came to-day i'll tell you how madam victoria has never a lover and is your entire friend now madam suppose you got her to write a letter to this young gentleman in her own name you meet him under that name incognito then if an accident should happen both you and she will be safe and puzzle the truth you never writ to him she never met him a lucky thought step to her immediately i'll come to her or she to me i fly i fly exit this is indeed a lucky hint of the wench in which i have another drift too now shall i sift my friend victoria and perfectly understand whether she likes that agreeable young fellow for if her reserved humour easily falls in with this design on buckwit she's certainly smitten with the other and suspects me to be so too what is this dear this sudden intruder love that victoria's long and faithful friendship lovemore's anxious and constant passion both vanish before it in a moment why are our hearts so accessible at our eyes enter victoria and latisse oh, my dear dear pen i ran to you well what is it set chairs and the bohiety and leave us exit latisse dear victoria you have always been my most intimate bosom friend your wary carriage and circumspection have often been a safety against errors to me i must confess it filling her tea but my dear why this preface to me to the matter you know all that has passed between me and mr lovemore i have always approved him and do now more than ever for tis not a mean and air that makes that worthy creature a kind husband but true but here was old bickwit this morning with my father's authority to talk on me of the subject of love nay madam if so and you can resolve to obey your father i contend not for lovemore for though the young men of this age are so very vicious so expensive both of their health and fortune penelope aside how zealous she is to put me out of her way false creature but my dear friend you don't take me your friendship outruns my explanation twas for his son at oxford he came to me he is to walk with him before the door that i may view him by and by nay as one must obey their parents wholly i think a wrong young man that never saw the town is better than an old one that has run through all its vices i congratulate your good fortune there's a great estate and he knows nothing just come to town the furniture and the horse-cloths will be all your own device for the wedding and the horses when and where you please he knows no better 
but one shall be so long teaching a raw creature a manner never let him have one twill make him like himself and think of making advances elsewhere you'd better have him a booby how could i think of the old fellow for you look you pen old age has its infirmities and tis a sad prospect for an honest young woman to be sure of being a nurse and never of being a mother oh that i had but your prudence but my dear i have a request to make to you and that is that you would write him an assignation this evening in the park i'll obey the appointment and converse with him under that disguise for the old people will clap up a match before i know anything of the real man and if one don't know one's husband how can one manage him that is to say obey him oh pray my dear do you think i don't understand you oh and there's another thing a scholar makes the best husband in the world because they are the most knowing no because they are the least knowing but i'll go immediately and obey your commands i wish you heartily well my dear in this matter kissing her i thank you dearest i don't doubt it indeed where are you going now my dear oh fie this is not like a friend do i use you so dear madam nay indeed madam i must wait on you indeed you shan't indeed you shan't penelope follows victoria well madam will you promise then to be as free with me thus does she hope to work me out of my lover by being made my confident but that baseness has been too fashionable to pass any more i have not trusted her the cunning creature i begin to hate her so i'll never be a minute from her exit scene two covent garden enter old buckwit young buckwit and latine well tom where have you sauntered about since i saw you is not the town mightily increased since you were in it ah indeed i need not have been so impatient to have left oxford had i stayed here longer they had builded to me but i don't observe you affected much with the alterations where have you been no faith the new exchange has taken up all my curiosity oh but son you must not go to places to stare at women did you buy anything some baubles but my choice was so distracted among the pretty merchants and their dealers i knew not where to run first one little lisping rogue ribbons gloves tippeth sir cries another will you buy a fine sword knot then a third pretty voice and curtsy does not your lady want hoods scarves fine green silk stockings i went by as if i had been in a seraglio a living gallery of beauties staring from side to side i bowing they laughing so made my escape and brought your son and heir safe to you through all these darts and glances to which indeed my breast is not impregnable but i wonder whence i had this amorous inclination whoever you had it from sirrah tis your business to correct it by fixing it upon a proper object but tom you know i am always glad to hear you talk with the gaiety before me that you do elsewhere but i have now something of consequence aside that sudden serious look was so like me 
What I am going to say now, I tell you, is extraordinary. I could not indeed help some seeming extravagancies I have been forced to, but— I do not grudge you your expenses. I was not going to speak on it. For I decay, and so do my desires, while yours grow still upon you. Therefore, what may be spared from mine, I heartily give you to supply yours. Tis but the just order of things. I scorn to hoard what I only now can gaze at, while your youth and person want those entertainments you may become and taste. All your just pleasures are mine also. In you, my youth and gayer years, methinks I feel repeated. Then what can give you, sir, uneasiness? Your affectation of a soldier's dress makes me think you bent upon a dangerous though noble course, that you'll expose a life that's dearer to your father than yourself to daily hazards. I, therefore, have resolved to settle thee, and chosen a young lady, witty, prudent, rich, and fair. Young Buckwit, aside. Oh, Victoria, you cannot move too slowly in such a business. Nay, tis no sudden thing. Her father and I have been old acquaintance, and I was so confident of her worth, and your compliance, that I can't with honour disengage myself. How, sir, when honour calls me to the field, where I may perpetuate your name by some brave exploit? You may do it much better, Tom, at home, by a brave boy. Come, come, it must be so. Young Buckwit, aside. What shall I do for some invention? Let it be so, dear Tom. It must be so. What if it be impossible? Impossible? As how? Upon my knees, I beg your pardon, sir. I am... What? At Oxford. What art thou at Oxford? Rise and tell me. Why, I am married there, since you needs must know. Married? Without my consent? There was a force upon me. You'll easily get all annulled if you desire it. It was the crossest, most unhappy accident. Yet indeed she is an excellent creature. Latine, aside. How could he conceal this all this while from me? But I remember he used to be out of the college whole nights. We knew not where. Penelope and Victoria at the window. Penelope, aside. The very man we met this morning and I employ my rival to write to him. How confidently she stares at the fellow, and observes his action. Betty, do you see with what intent and with what fire in her eyes Penelope gazes yonder? But take you that letter and give it when the old gentleman's gone. Goodness, how concerned she seems. Well, some women. Exeunt ladies from above. Let that pass, since the business is irrevocable. What is her name? Matilda, and her father's Newton. Their names I never heard before. But go on. This lady, sir, I saw in a public assembly. At the first sight she made me hers forever. From that instant I languished, nor had vital heat out of her presence. The sun to me shed influence in vain. He rose and set both unobserved. Nor was to any living this human life so much a dream as me. 
all this she observed but not untouched observed she showed a noble gratitude to a noble passion favours i soon received but severely modest ones latine aside oh that's presupposed you to be sure would ne'er desire any other we had contrived to meet to-night the sweetest hours of love and there was i one evening in her lodging twas as i remember yes twas on the second of december as the very night i was caught latine aside tis strange a fellow of his wit to be trepanned into a marriage the father supped abroad that night which made us think ourselves secure but coming home by accident sooner than we expected we heard him at the door how did that noise surprise us she hid me behind the bed then lets him in i tremble for the poor young lady pray go on how did she recover herself she fell into the prettiest artful little tales to divert him and hide her discomposure which he interrupted by telling her she must be married suddenly to one proposed to him that evening this was to me daggers but she she by general answers in that case managed it so well that he was going down when instantly my watch in my pocket struck ten he turns him short on his amazed daughter asked where she had it she cried her cousin martha sent it out of the country to be mended for her he said he would take care on't she comes to me but as i was giving it her the string was so entangled in the cock of a pistol i always had about me on those occasions that in my haste to disengage it fired it off my mistress swoons away the father ran out crying out murder i thought her dead feared his return which he soon did with two boisterous rogues his sons and his whole family of servants i would have made my escape but they opposed me with drawn swords i wounded both but a lusty wench with a fire-shovel at one blow struck down my sword and broke it all to pieces but still the poor young lady here was i seized meantime matilda wakes from her trance beholding me held like a ruffian both her brothers bleeding she was returning to it what should i do i saw the hoary father in the divided sorrow for his son's lives and daughter's honour of both which she thought me the invader she with pitying dying and reproaching looks beseeched me and taught me what i owed a constant love i yielded sir i own i yielded to the just terror of their family resentment and to my mistress more dreadful upbraiding thus am i sir the martyr of an honest passion what i most blame is that you concealed it from your best friend i'll instantly to penelope's father and make my apology he is my friend exit this marriage strangely surprised me why did you believe it too as well as the old gentleman why then i did it excellently <laughs> what the watch the pistol lady swooning her pitying upbraiding look all chimera nothing but downright wit to keep myself safe for victoria may i desire one favour what can i deny thee my privado only that you'd give me some little secret hint when next you are going to be witty but to jumble particulars so readily tis impossible you could i believe at the beginning of your tale know the ending yet 
these are gifts child mere gifts tis not to be learnt the skill of lying except humour wit invention presence of mind retention memory circumspection etc were to be obtained by industry you must not hum nor haw nor blush for it betty entering who have we got here may i be so bold as to crave the liberty to ask your name my bright handmaid my little she ganymede thou charming hebe you may ask me my name for i won't tell it to you till you do because i'd have the more words with you are not you mr bookwit the very same my dear there then giving him letter he's a mighty pretty man exit betty young bookwit reading you may wonder your person and character this evening near rosamond's pond on the other side of the park victoria oh the happiness what has become of the girl oh latine latine ask me fifty questions all at once what ails me why this joy who is this from oh i could die methinks this moment lest there should be in fate some future ill to dash my present joy why jack why dost not ask me what's the matter if you'd but give me leave no do not speak let me talk all i fain would celebrate my fair one's praise her every beauty but the mind's too full to utter anything that is articulate and will give way to nothing but mere names and interjections oh, victoria 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 oh my victoria read there well i own this subscribed victoria but still i am afraid of mistakes no kneel down and ask forgiveness you don't believe that she that would not speak to me would write but after all raptures and ecstasies prithee step after the maid learn what you can of her fortune and so forth get interest to be admitted another time exit latine enter frederick sir your servant yours sir have you business with me this paper speaks it young buckwit reading of a friend you've made me your mortal enemy with your sword i expect satisfaction to-morrow morning at six in hyde park lovemore do you know the contents of this letter yes sir it is a challenge from lovemore are you to be his second i offered it but he will meet you single the fewer the better cheer you're very pleasant sir my good humour was ever challenge-proof i will be very punctual exit frederick i fall into business very fast there thou dear letter of love be there thou of hatred there men of business must sort their papers i fear he saw me put up two letters enter latine oh jack more adventures another lady has writ oh, let's see it no always tender of reputation she is of quality a gentleman usher came with it i can't believe there's anything in that old whim of being wrapped in one's mother's smock to be thus lucky i suppose i was used like other children they clapped me on a skull-cap swathed me hard played me in arms and showed me london but however it comes about i have strange luck with the women but let us see this letter young bookwit reading no no a woman of condition to go so far but indeed your passion your wit 
my page, at the back stairs, secrecy and your veracity. There her ladyship nicked it. Pox! I'll be as humorous and frolic as you. You pert fellows are the only successful what— Well said, lad. And, as Mr. Bayes said, now the plot thickens upon us, we'll spend our time as gaily as the best of them, and all of it in laugh. For since through all the race of man we find, each to some darling passion is inclined, let love be still the bias of my mind. Exeunt End of Act Two